Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicherry and today's episode is all about nutrition and oral health. My guest today is Shima Fazeli Manish who is a board certified dietitian who's currently based in the US and she specializes in diabetes, kidney disease and she currently works at UCLA Hospital. In this episode, we talk about generally nutrition and oral health, but we focus on eating disorders such as anorexia nervosa and bulimia. We talk about the impact on oral health and how important it is to to get professional help and the risks associated with introducing food and groups of foods back into your diet um, without careful planning. so excited to announce that this episode is very kindly sponsored by Enlighten. You may have seen me rave about them on my social media channels. I always get so many questions about teeth whitening, which brand I recommend and how I personally whiten my teeth. And the answer to all those questions is Enlighten. What's really special about Enlighten is that they guarantee a B1 shade. For those of you that don't know, B1 is the brightest natural shade of teeth that we have. And the greatest thing is that there are no dietary or lifestyle changes with Enlighten. So you can continue to drink your coffee and still whiten your teeth, which was the big selling point for me personally. For more information about Enlighten, please check out my social media channels. And now without further ado, let's get into the episode. Shima, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, Dr. Shadi. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's very nice to speak to you, especially about this topic, because it's a very important topic. And I think it's important that everybody kind of understands a little bit about nutrition and how it can affect your oral and overall health. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got here, please. So I'm currently living in LA, Los Angeles, California. Um, I moved here from London. Um, And then um, I did my whole bachelor's and master's and then I did my rotations here. So what I do is I'm a dietitian. I'm a clinical dietitian here. Um, It usually takes us because usually patient like patients are asking me like, what is the difference between the nutritionist versus a dietitian? So nutritionist here in America, it's like every person like you can take one um, online class and then you go from there and you call yourself a nutritionist but a dietitian should take four years of bachelor's and then two years of master's and then apply for the board exam and apply for rotations and then like you can be a dietitian so what we can do is we usually um, apply medical nutrition therapy And that means based on specific diseases, we go from there. Like, for example, I specialize in kidney disease, diabetes, bariatric surgeries. So I see a lot of patients that are like having issues with dialysis. And then currently I'm working at UCLA hospital inpatient and then also at patient at a dialysis center at Cedar sinai Mm -hmm. Amazing. So this is the kind of day-to-day that you deal with. And what what inspired you to become a dietitian? 
So I lived in a family that um, everybody is a medical people. My mom is a nurse. My dad is a doctor. So um, I really wanted to become somebody who can just like help people around. And I felt nutrition is one of the biggest things these days, especially that um, you can help out people. But unfortunately, there is so many wrong information out there for nutrition. And then like wrong culture about nutrition um, caused people to get so many diseases, I feel. And then as a dietitian, I feel like now I can help everyone if they honestly believe in you and they see that you can help them out, they can reach out. So now it's it's growing so much. So this just like helped me and also had like so many, um, you know what? I was just like very interested to become a doctor, but at the same time, because my dad was a doctor, he's like, no, you want to live your life too at the same time. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't want to get into that route. So like, so what is the other way to just get into the healthcare was one of them was become a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And what's been the major challenge of your job? Because, you know, as healthcare professionals, we have a lot of challenges that we deal with in our patient interactions and our delivery of care. So what's what's a major challenge in your day to day job? The major challenge is, first of all, you motivate how to motivate people, because sometimes people coming in, you assess them and then they don't come back the next time. Um, because they're not motivated enough. That's one thing. Um, Another biggest challenge these days, it's the media, unfortunately, because there's a lot of information out there in social media, oh, do ketogenic fasting, do intermittent fast, the ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting, this diet, that diet. So like you need to change people's um, sight and people's like how they learn through this whole culture and then what is the real thing out there and sometimes they're non-compliant they come back with like more disease states and then you ask them what happened like oh my friend told me to do this (laughs) or like my mom told me or my family told me to do this it's gonna work for me but it didn't so that's the biggest challenge right now we are dealing with especially in america Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i feel like wrong information in social media all of us can relate to because it affects a lot of healthcare professionals I see patients coming in who've self-diagnosed before they come and see you you know they go on the internet they research their symptoms they come in and they say this is what I have this is how you have to treat it and and that's a major challenge for us as well um how do you deal with the stress of your profession I feel like usually it's not I can't I don't call it a stress for me because I try to um look at it in a positive way sometimes and then sometimes I just like Honestly, um, when I stress, especially, I go outside and walk for like five minutes and 10 minutes and come back to work. That helped me so much. Um, But there are like patients, honestly, they challenge me sometimes. They're like, oh, this is not working. And you don't know like what's going on with me. And then this is like, like you said, like this is the diagnosis. I know I'm sure Mm -hmm. I have this. And then you need to just like go through and explain everything. Um, the best thing for me, it's usually to explain in a really nice and simple way to the patient what's going on and how it should be. And I tell them like, this is my point of view. And then tell me what you think. 
Another way, especially when you tell people, the problem is when you tell people that you're a dietitian, they always say, oh, you're the food police. So I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not the food police. I'm just trying to help you out with your diet and then help you out what to maybe substitute. Like, for example, instead of eating something that is sticky to your like teeth, that is just mm-hmm. like high in sugar, change it to something that you can change to. Like, for example, instead of having that, have fruits or have like some kind of vegetables you like or what is the biggest thing that you can change in your life because there's like we all have some kind of like cravings every day during the day right so you can sometimes either like like take a little bit of a little bit of it or like small amount of it or sometimes tell patients oh just like if you're eating chocolate every single day, how about you only eat once or twice a week or three times a week instead of completely cutting everything from the patient's diet because they get like very frustrated too at the same time because every culture is different. The stuff that every culture eats is so different. So that's the biggest also challenge for us. So how do I just deal with it? And it just like stresses me out sometimes. It's just like helping the people to start from the very small um, change and then go from there. Because I see a lot of like changes in patients when I do that. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree with you. I think it's it's one thing being the food buddies and knowing what's right and what isn't, but it's also about introducing practical changes. So there's no point giving patients a textbook perfect plan if you know they're not going to stick to it. And if anything, I think people will that way, if you if that's your approach, people will become quite defensive and won't listen to anything you say after that. So it's important to say this this is the ideal. These are the sort of practical ways that you can introduce them into your life because there's no point if they can't stick to it. And that's that's what I tell my patients about sugar actually because I I have quite a sweet tooth and I think it would be very hypocritical of me to tell them you're not allowed to have any sweets whatsoever I say have your sweets but this is what you do to protect your teeth instead you know and I feel like I hope that that's what's been working for for my patients would you say there's anything that you've changed in your own lifestyle when you became a dietitian was there any sort of dietary changes major dietary or lifestyle changes that you made to your own personal life So I'm going to tell you, this is something that happened to me before when I started, when I moved to California, um, everything here, like the culture, diet culture is like so different. Everybody is in, they want to be in good shape, in perfect shape. And then um, they call like, sometimes when you see like you're overweight, like they call each other like, oh, you're fat. Oh my God, you're getting like, you're gaining weight. Oh my God, look at her body. So you see a lot here because unfortunately this whole social media, Hollywood, everything here is just a big um, problem for everyone. So growing up, I was very healthy, working out all the time, going to different sports because my family were just also like very active people. Um, But at some point I found myself that I'm going through the route of like eating disorder. So I was eating stuff, but at the same time, I was feeling so guilty about it. So I'm going to just like talk about that eating disorder uh, later on. But I found myself at some point because my dad was just like, what's going on with you? I would eat something and then I would start crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to start like gaining so much weight. And I at that time, I was 20 years old. And then 
I was so self-aware that's what's happening to me because I was going to school. So I would know what's happening. So I tried to just start working out more and trying to be happy with myself. I worked on myself, but like for honestly, for a couple of months, for two, three months, I was so guilty about what I'm eating. And then I started gaining some weight. And it's really interesting because when you think about dieting, there's like so many hormones start like working for you that should not be, which is like cortisol levels. So that can, it can cause you to gain weight instead of like losing weight. So that was one thing in my life happened for a couple of months, but I was so lucky that I was, I, I was aware, I had a family that they were aware what's happening. So I tried to stop that and then it helped me so much. And I learned a lot through that whole time of like two, three months, two, three months. It's just like seems so short, but honestly, I was going through a lot. I felt like, oh my God, what's going to happen if I gain a lot of weight? Um, And then that whole like depression that I went through like for three months, it was just like very hard to get out of it. But Honestly, I just still don't remember how I got out of it. I think family, my family was part of it. And also myself, like being aware of that, it was like also part of it. So I tried to cut back some, because I was binge eating for a while. So I cut back like some food and then um, try to like be healthy and not care about my weight. And I was like happy with myself, working out, hanging out with my friends helped me so much. Mm-hmm. No, that's really important. I think especially as I don't want to generalize, but generally I think women we're slightly conscious of this throughout our lives. And it's like we we can all have tendencies, but it's just about identifying what it what needs help and what needs attention. And I think we're gonna discuss this a little bit later on, but it's very important to know what is normal and what isn't, because like you're saying, especially if you focus on, you know, that mentality of I'm on a diet, I'm restricting myself if anything, it's going to make the situation worse. Whereas I feel like if you take a little bit of a laid back approach to certain things, it's it's going to make things a bit easier, especially when it comes to dieting and um, being healthy. You really shouldn't be overthinking it. Let's talk about nutrition and overall health, because there is a very, very strong link between nutrition and overall health. So how do we understand that? How do we see that as as individuals? So this is a really good question. It's like very broad because um, every person is like very different, especially these days. There's like so many like different disease states and um, that people need to understand And um, not only like one person can come and tell you like what to eat, like media cannot do that for you because they don't know like what your first of all genetic is. They don't know what's happening to you. They don't know what your culture is. And then um, all of a sudden there's like so much information out there, like, and then you get so overwhelmed. Um, You go back and forth to different diet states. So overall health, and then I feel like one of the biggest thing that is going to just like connect it's with your oral, oral health too. At the same time, it's just whole foods are the best options that you can choose in your life. For example, like in the morning or like in the afternoon, if you're especially there are some people that they like to snack between their like meals. So picking stuff that is 
picking foods that are like healthy for you. What does that mean? Instead of just like picking um, foods that are like really high in sugar and then high in simple, we call it the simple carbohydrates, like white stuff, like white foods, for example, sugar, um, white bread, all of those. If you cut back in those, it's going to help you with everything, with your stomach GI, we call it the GI, with your whole GI, with your oral health, with your whole like body. And then med- it's kind of like meditation to know like what you're eating and then know the whole health benefits of what you're eating, if it's healthy, or even if it's not, it's okay. It's fine. You're going to be fine. Um, and then not going on different diets, ketogenic diet, for example, this is a big thing right now. It's going on, um, in California in America. And then honestly, all these diets out there, there's a reason behind them. Like why there's a ketogenic diet, why there's a gluten-free diet, why there is a vegetarian diet. So overall health, it's the biggest thing that you know when you're eating food that it's going to give you, for example, I need, if I become vegetarian, you need to know what kind of vitamin mineral deficiencies you're going to have. And then based on that, go from there. I'm going to give you an example. You know what? Um, let's say ketogenic diet, because this is a big question that everybody asks me. So ketogenic diet is for seizure diseases. If you become and go for ketogenic diet, you need to be so aware that it's going to be 90% fat that you're taking. And then what kind of fats, any kind of fats, saturated versus unsaturated fats. It means like healthy versus unhealthy fats. And it's 90% of your diet is going to be that. Just imagine you're a healthy person and you start a ketogenic diet all of a sudden. What's going to happen? You're going to end up with heart disease. You're going to end up with a lot of problems that you're going to lose your muscle mass because you're not eating enough protein and carbohydrates. So that's why these whole diets are not like completely okay for healthy and general population. And as a general population, you need to be okay eating in moderation, but in every, like every food that you call it, it's going to be healthy if it's in moderation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think this, this is such a broad topic that your nutrition will affect your oral health. You know, everyone often says you are what you eat. And that's actually very true because the vitamins and the minerals that you take in through your diet are going to be essentially what becomes incorporated into the cells in your body. And it it will affect how your body will react. And especially focusing on oral health, your oral health has a bi-directional relationship with your overall health. Because, you know, if you have an unhealthy mouth, if you have disease, it's going to become, it's going to be very difficult for you to eat everything. You're going to be quite restricted in what you can eat. And so as a result, you're not going to be taking all the vitamins and nutrients that you need. So your body is going to suffer and vice versa. You know, if your overall health isn't very good, it's going to show up in your mouth. And actually there's very, very clear correlations between overall health and certain diseases that have been scientifically proven like diabetes and gum disease there is a very very direct link between those and you know the patients are quite quite often surprised to learn that you know if you treat gum disease for example you can control you can improve your diabetic control and vice versa and as you're saying you know the diets and things that are out there they're very specific to particular needs so I think people need to take that with a pinch of salt and they need to do with their research and they definitely should see a a professional if they are considering going on any of these diets because 
if they're just going on this without doing enough research, it can quite drastically affect their overall health for the worst often. So yes. let's focus on eating disorders because this is a question that um, I had recently. Someone asked me the um, impact of eating disorders on um, oral health in particular. So let's just talk a little bit about some common eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia. Yeah, so this is a really interesting one because this is not something new and it started like on 20th and, and on 12, 12th and 13th century. So what happened is um, I was just like reading this article was saying that because of religious um, um, reasons, people used to starve themselves. Like there was um, women that they would starve themselves because they would say starvation will um, help them to remove and delete all their scenes during the, during out the year. So they would starve themselves. So this becomes some kind of culture over time. And then people started losing a lot of or tons of weight or at the same time, because like we said, um, when you're eliminating food and um, you're dieting, you start gaining some weight instead of like losing because I see that all the time in every like patient in every single person like my friends I always like they say oh my god I was on a diet but I gained back like 10 more pounds what's going on so this is um unfortunately there is no research base like how this whole thing happened but I feel like because it's like from before like 12th century 13th century people were going on through the starvation then media started something like mm -hmm. giving you all these images. Oh my God, being skinny is a hip thing right now going on. All TV shows, everything started like everybody was, I remember it was when I was around like 18 years or like 17 years old, I would be seeing like everybody like so skinny and then they would just like look for skinny jeans. I want, I want to fit in those like skinny jeans. So and then I started seeing more people going through this anorexia. They started calling it anorexia nervosa and um, bulimia, which we call it a binge eating. So covering that, it's so different, two different disease states. Anorexia, usually people start starving themselves. And then bulimia, at the same time, it's something that you eat as much as even you can't but you go and throw up. So I know like you as a dentist, you would know what's like this. You guys are the first people that you can diagnose this problem because you can see from their oral health what's happening to them. And then for us is usually doing it. We call it a malnutrition screening tool that we do it here. So by screening tool, malnutrition screening tool, we would know if they are going through either bulimia or anorexia. And um, honestly, there is no research-based evidence that it says, oh, this is the whole reason why this started or happening. Like, for example, diabetes and kidney disease, we know what's happening and which organ is not working. For anorexia and bulimia, unfortunately, is something that is more psychological and then if patient diagnosed with those two diseases, it's huge team that is working with them. It's a psychologist, it's a dentist, it's a dietitian, it's a doctor. So many people should work with these people to help them out to go back to their regular and normal life. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, there's there's very obvious signs that we see, you know, as as healthcare professionals, and we always have to kind of work as detectives to see what's going on. So we learn about these conditions during our training. And obviously, seeing it in real life is is puts it into perspective, and you can clearly understand what's going on. With anorexia, obviously, there's that physical appearance that you can associate, you know, the malnutrition um, appearance that you see, but also these nutritional deficiencies of vitamins and minerals, such as calcium iron vitamin b12 these kind of things can lead to gum disease ulcers in the mouth even bad breath and just generally just the soft tissues in the mouth will become quite sore and inflamed and we can often see that with bulimia it's slightly more tricky because their physical appearance might not necessarily represent a disease going on they can have a you know quotation marks normal appearance but they could have this eating disorder going on but I would argue that with with bulimia there's quite a lot of effects on the oral health because uh, for those of uh, for the audience mm-hmm. who aren't familiar with bulimia it's binging and, and purging so uh, they're often uh, forcing themselves to vomit and obviously the stomach the contents of the stomach are very very highly acidic their ph is very very low and that's going to cause you know teeth are made up of minerals so essentially if you put acid in them they're going to dissolve so we see a condition known as erosion and you often see that on the inside of the teeth where the palate is and it's quite characteristic of bulimia so if I see a young patient who's otherwise healthy and the teeth are generally okay but I see that characteristic erosion of the top front teeth on the inside then that's quite quite characteristic and I know there's something going on there and also the soft tissues are going to be quite irritated because of being repeatedly bathed in this very strong acid and also what people tend to do is which is quite wrong they tend to brush their teeth straight away after Mm. after vomiting and we know that this is quite wrong because you're essentially rubbing that acid over your teeth so if anything you're dissolving the teeth more so when we see these patients it's important to make them realize that this is what they're doing and you know brushing isn't a good thing after vomiting you should really rinse with fluoride mouthwash instead of brushing and this is the case with pregnant women who are also suffering with something like hyperemesis Mm -hmm. they need to be quite aware of that going back to um this eating disorder i want to just like touch base on something too especially for anorexia because we see it a lot um because you're starving yourself and then you want to start become an healthy person so make sure you see somebody who is a professional because especially for the starvation state when you're starving yourself for like let's say 10 days for a month and then you introducing food back to your diet you can end up with a cardiac arrhythmias because you're putting too much pressure and you're like all of a sudden your body is going to be in shock you're starving yourself for a while and then you give the food back to your body and then all of your minerals and all of those electrolytes are going to stop drop like it starts dropping so it can you can go through like low potassium levels low magnesium low phosphorus and low sodium levels and it causes a cardiac arrhythmia sometimes they end up at a hospital so if somebody diagnosed you or even like if you're self-aware that you're going through this make sure you're seeing some specialist, um, a dietitian to get help from them, because this is a really, imp- like, it's a big thing right now, it's going on. And I know that you as a person, if you're going through this whole like problem, you're not going to just be able to um, resolve everything for yourself by just looking at media and then like asking questions from your friends.
let's talk about practical ways of introducing healthy eating habits into into your life because we spoke about this there's lots of things that people should be doing but do we really do them because they're quite difficult to introduce so what would be your tips for incorporating some healthy eating habits into our daily life definitely um i call it a mindful eating so mindful eating means it's kind of like meditation so what you can do is start especially when you're starting being on a health like as a as a healthy eater start to introduce small amount of healthy foods because sometimes it's not going to be ideal for you because you're not used to it so you don't need to all of a sudden decide from today i want to change everything in my diet but start adding a little bit every single day so it become more your like more of your habit that's one thing um another thing make sure you're not eating alone like if you have friends around if you have family around ask them to eat with you because that's something that helps you to just like have that mindfulness that i don't need to eat more and binge eating like we said and um so you're socializing at the same time that you're having and enjoying your food so enjoy your food and if there's people around or family around make sure you're eating with them um biggest thing it's going on right now do not eat in front of the tv because yeah. like when you're eating in front of the tv you have no idea what's happening so you just like start eating more and more and then you end up like oh my god i ate the whole plate or i eat the whole a bag of chips what did i do so that's also another thing like have certain amount of um food in front of you and then turn off the tv turn off even your computer or your your phone um do not work and eat because right now honestly it's a habit for us especially with this coronavirus that is going on everybody's working from home so obesity right now here in america especially it's a biggest thing that people are going through it because now everybody is in front of their computer and then in front of their tv that they're eating and they have no idea what they're eating and then sometimes i have patients that they come in and they say honestly i don't eat anything i don't know what i'm eating and then we call it a 24 hour recall when you recall all the food that they're eating and you ask them to write down they end up like seeing how much food they consumed during the day and they had no idea that's also another thing the biggest thing um it's not just dieting is also being an active person make sure like you go you don't need to go outside and like run for an hour i never say that just go outside walk for 15 minutes the first day for the first week for the first month it's okay and then start adding more like today i'm doing 15 minutes next month i'm going i'm doing 30 minutes next year i'm going to do an hour or find some kind of sports that you like um i know you play squash right you love playing squash so mm -hmm. that's also the biggest thing like these days it's going to help you it's going to boost your immunity and it's going to boost your whole like happiness also at the same time you become yeah, like when definitely. you leave that sports that you're doing you came out like you come out of that like whatever that you're doing you're feeling so happy because your hormones are now like in the highest level So yeah. that's also an, another thing that can help you out. That's what I practice every single day honestly. If I'm sitting out there all the time seeing patients and charting for an hour, 
um, I try between my day, go outside and walk for five, 10 minutes. I know there all of these um, sports clubs, gyms are closed now, but you can also work out at home. It's not just something that you can do it outside. Yeah, that's also the biggest thing these days, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. It's about having that lifestyle and adding practical changes to your life. So you don't have to do, you don't have to go zero to a hundred tomorrow, but you just add little additional um, sort of things that you do to help you and see what works for you. Cause for everyone, it's going to be different. I've personally, like you're saying, my family's always been active and been very much into squash. I've been playing squash since I remember. And it's one thing that you kind of do without thinking, you know, it's a social event yes. for me. I know with coronavirus, there are obviously restrictions. So make sure you're safe and, you know, you're um, adhering to the guidelines, but for me, it's always been about doing a social sport that you don't realize, you know, I've always hated going to the gym because you're just focused on the working (laughs) out. Whereas if you do something like, you know, yoga or squash or even football, something outdoors, it's, it's just a group sport. And as a side effect, as a bonus, you are working out and you're having that. So it's something that works for you personally, and that's going to be different for everyone. Another thing that I wanted to touch on is unhealthy, healthy foods, because this is very much a thing in our profession, because, you know, there are lots of things that people think are actually healthy, but they're really not. So things like dried fruits have Mm -hmm. actually quite high sugar contents and they're quite sticky. So they're not very good for the teeth. Things like sugar-free fizzy drinks or diet fizzy drinks, although they don't have sugars, they have their, their acidity is, is much more than normal drinks. So they can cause erosion of the teeth. So what kind of uh, foods would you say are the unhealthy, healthy foods? This is a really good question. For example, dates, everybody thinks, especially in our culture as like being Persian, they love to eat dates. So they're like, oh, this is healthy. It's I yeah. had five dates. But it's still high sugar, right? Yeah. It's yes, I get it. It's healthy. It's healthier. But still, you should not eat five dates because it's like high, very high in sugar. You need to yeah. only like have two of that, not in moderation. Like yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially if you have diabetes, you need to count your carbohydrates all the time. Um there is so many foods that causes a lot of acidity in your GI tract. So, um, for example, high sugar, a lot of high sugar, high fat foods, it's going to cause you a lot of like GI distress. So you're going to have like some kind of acid reflux. And then that's also causes the problem with your oral health, right? Absolutely. So that's another thing that you need to make sure that you're not eating too much sugar, in, like not having too much sugar in your diet. You know, all those vitamins and minerals now is gummy bears. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one of the biggest things that it's going on. First of all, you don't need too much vitamins and minerals in your life because you're eating. If you're not eating and if you have like some kind of disease and deficiencies that doctor told you, sure, go for it. Take multivitamins. Um, You don't need multivitamins daily every single day to take it because you're taking it from your whole foods that you're eating. That's one thing. Second thing, these gummy bears with vitamins it's kind of like you're eating an actual gummy bear with a spray of vitamin on it like like i look at the ingredients before i have researched it so much it's kind of like somebody just sprayed a vitamin a on top of the gummy bear and you're eating it and you think that you're eating a multivitamin or like mineral i'm taking every single day please do not do that to yourself sounds like something i would do 
it's like literally a gummy bear with cane sugar and then corn high corn high fructose corn syrup that they added this is the biggest thing that they add here um so everybody always asks me like what do you think about this gummy bear i'm like do you like gummy bears just eat gummy bears and take your vitamins like on the side that's also another thing it's the biggest problem that's going on right now because i wanted to also have it on my instagram like talking about it to people i'm like please do not do this um and then all those like yeah, exactly. And also all those like sugary drinks that you talked about. Um, those, those are the biggest things, especially in America. Like everybody loves to have those fizzy drinks high in sugar. And um, it's the biggest problem. Honestly, the one thing that you can change, I always tell everyone, just have a cup, like cup of water or like big um, pint of water and then add any kind of um, any kind of vegetables or fruits you like overnight and put it in the refrigerator so it's we call it the infused water so in the morning when you're drinking it it's it tastes something because i know like a lot mm-hmm. of people like including me i do not drink water all the time and because i don't like the taste i'm like this is why would i drink this all the time mm-hmm. so that helps you to drink more water because you need to stay hydrated all the time mm-hmm. uh, for your oral health for your overall health everything you need that hydration every single time very last thing, um, you know, sometimes they say this is low fat or low sugar, just low fat. Sometimes when it's something is low fat, um, when you look at the ingredient, they add more sodium and sugar to make it tastier. So from my standpoint and from what I understand all the time and what I do, instead of buying low fat, I always buy whole fat and then like the regular one instead of buying the low fat one. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know it's 6 a.m. there, so thank you so much for joining (laughs) me this morning on a Monday morning. Thank you so much for having me. It was like a really fun and yes, like you said, it's an interesting um, topic that we can go like oh like on and on for a couple of months talking about it because everybody has their own like different questions but it was really nice talking to you thank you so much i really hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks so much again to shima for joining me today it's a very important topic and i hope you've enjoyed it and hopefully learned a few things as well would love to know what you thought of this episode so please feel free to reach out to me on instagram at dr shadi manicherry also if you have any suggestions or questions relating to the podcast please let me know there there will be a new episode every week so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode and i can't wait to speak to you soon